Welcome to Hope Community Church's Sermon of the Week. It's our prayer that this message will encourage and equip you to love like Jesus. To learn more about Hope, visit us at hccalive.com. Now enjoy the message. As we were singing that last song, Jesus Loves Me, of course, many of you have heard that song when you were little kids or you maybe have sung it to your little kids over the years. And I started thinking about how God desires for us to have a childlike faith. And when we come to him with childlike faith, we see him as a, as a father in heaven who desires to care for us and, and meet our needs and protect us. And I was just trying to think about the connection to that spiritually and how God desires for us to seek him as our heavenly father and how many of us as parents, we, we try to protect our kids. In fact, sometimes as a result of our desire to protect our kids, we become overprotective. We, we think of all of the, the ways that we got away with stuff and we use the opportunity now as parents to implement strategies and policies to, to try to protect our kids. And, and I would just say this, kids, if your parents are really good at protecting you, they're really good at catching you, they probably have had the life experience of getting away with things that you're not getting away with. And so use that as an opportunity. Just ask them questions like, hey, why are these rules in place? I just want to understand. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Why do you uh, say I have to be home at this time? Or why can't I do X, Y, or Z? Use that as an opportunity. Ask questions. Be curious. And I was just thinking about how important that is, right? Because we desire the very best for our kids. Well, God desires the very best for us, too. He, he, he wants for us to seek him, and as a result, as we seek him, he does protect us. Our staff has been working through a phenomenal study. This, uh, it's called Experiencing God. It's, it's an awesome study I've gone through many times over the years, and this last week, we, we worked through one of the units, and it said this, if you were traveling through a minefield, if you were going to be walking through a minefield, if you can imagine that, would you want someone who knows where all the mines are to walk you through it? Or would you just want to do it on your own? Now, we would all say, well, somebody who knows how to get me through this safely, please take me through it. That's what God's word is for us. Scripture lays out and establishes boundaries and, and rules and, and things to operate within in order to protect us. You see, God desires for us to be protect, protected. But we have in our lives predictable problems. There are predictable things that will come up this week, and they're the same things that came up last week and the week before and the week before. But as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, what do, what do we do with these predictable problems? How are we to handle them? We've been working through the, the book of Acts, and of course, we're going to continue that this morning. But what I want us to see is when we encounter predictable problems, the same person at work this week is going to say something again to, to incite frustration for you. The same things that your kids did last week to, to frustrate you, to exasperate your patience, they're going to do this week. The same things that uh, have happened over the last month and the last year, they're going to happen again. So we have predictable problems. 
how should we handle that? Well, first thing we need to do is we need to have courage. We need to have courage that God is who he says he is. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we begin in chapter 14. Again, Paul and Barnabas are sharing the gospel, and here's what happens in verse 1. It says, Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a great way that a, a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, and they poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas remained a long time, speaking boldly of the Lord. And the Lord bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. The first thing we need to remember is problems are predictable and we need to take courage. You see, it takes courage to do the things that God calls us to do. It took courage for Paul and Barnabas to go on a missionary journey in order to share Jesus with people who did not know him. That takes courage. It takes courage to stand strong in that. It takes courage when people are making fun of you. It takes courage when people are harassing you. It takes courage to share your faith. Paul and Barnabas are on this missionary journey because they decided they weren't going to wait in Jerusalem for people to come to them for one of the festivals. So as a result of them not just choosing to wait, they went and shared Jesus. You see, I can easily relate this to the church. The church often, the, now again, the church isn't just the building. I, I thought about that because some of the staff would be on me about that this week. The church isn't the building, it's the people, I know. But the church can easily wait for people to come because they will. Christmas and Easter, those are two times of the year whether we've done anything, people will come. We could wait for people to come, or we could take courage and say, you know what, God, I'm going to do the things you've called me to do, and I may not end up in, in Iconium. I may not end up in a different country, but I'm going to take the gospel with me. You see, Paul and Barnabas are on this journey because they were doing the things that God called them to do, which required courage. So here they are. They're in a new town. They're in a new synagogue. And this is what Paul would do. He would go to first the Jews, Jews, the people who, who tended to have an understanding at least of who God is from the Old Testament. So they would go to the synagogue, and, and here's what happened. Many people, both Jews and Gentiles, heard and they believed. Well, the very next thing that we read is those who didn't believe, the, the unbelieving Jews, decided that they were going to stir things up. In fact, the word is they poisoned the minds of those who had believed. They actually poisoned the minds. Now, one of the greatest sins that I see within the Christian community is gossip. It's slander. We have cute ways of, of sharing things about people in order to say, let's pray for that person. But I want you to know something before we get off track too far. When we do that, we poison the minds against people. That's destructive. It's not wholesome. It's not good. Now, I'm not saying this to you alone. 
I'm, I'm as convicted as I say this as some of you may be as you hear that. But this is a strategy that the devil has always used. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's doing the same thing right here. He's taking well-meaning believers. Uh, the devil's taking well-meaning believers and he's poisoning their minds. It, it literally means to think badly about another person. It's to stir up distrust. So the Jews who didn't believe in Jesus were so upset that people were believing in Jesus that they actually went to the Gentiles to do this. The reason that this is significant is because under normal circumstances, the Jewish people would not even talk to the Gentiles. They wouldn't even talk to them because they were unworthy of, of talking to they didn't eat with them. They didn't talk with them. They didn't celebrate with them. They didn't spend time with them. But all of a sudden, th there's this message of Jesus that's being preached because Paul and Barnabas have courage to do that, and, and they're coming against that. The same thing happened with Jesus. You had different groups of people who were religious and unreligious who couldn't get along on anything, but the one thing that they could come together for was they said, we will not trust Jesus. We will not look to Jesus. He is not our Messiah. That's the one thing that they could come together on. This is exactly what's happening here. But here's what God did. God proved their message, the Bible tells us, by granting signs and wonders. Now, I, I wish we had more description here. I wish we had more description of what those signs and wonders were because we don't have that. We don't have the luxury of reading about what God was doing. But what we can see very clearly is that when we take courage, when we do the things God asks us to do, he does grant signs and wonders. The same thing happens today. I've referenced this before, but this is why I keep a prayer journal now. I keep a prayer journal because we consistently see how God answers prayer. The way that he breaks through in a situation. There are times where it seems hopeless. That's good. Because only God then can break through. That's a sign. That's a wonder. Those things bolster our faith and for a reason and with a purpose. So Here's what the apostles did, which, by the way, we're talking about Paul and Barnabas, and the Bible calls them apostles. We're going to see that again in verse 4. But here's what God did. They spoke boldly. They had courage to do that, and God granted these signs and wonders. You see, too many Christians, too many Christians run too quickly away from opposition. Paul and Barnabas didn't do that. You see, the town is, is being divided. People's minds are being poisoned. And it tells us that they stayed there a long time. It continues in verse 4. It says, but the people of the city were divided. They were, all of the people of the city were divided. It says, some were with the Jews and some were with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Jews and the Gentiles, mixed up the order. Somebody will catch that in a sermon coming up. I'm sure you that. So they, 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 an attempt was made with the rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. Verse 6, the apostles learned of it, and they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities in Lyconia, 
and to the surrounding country. And what did they do when they fled? This is so awesome. When they fled, what did they do? It says, and there they continued to preach the gospel. God used Barnabas and Paul in a powerful way because they had courage. They had courage knowing it wasn't going to be in their strength. It wasn't going to be in, in their ability to minister to people. It was in God's strength, in God's ability. You see, their job was to be faithful. It's God's job to be fruitful. The same is true of us today. You see, we can take courage because the Bible tells us that God goes before us. We can take courage because we know that God will fight for us. We can take courage because even if persecution arises, God will defend himself. That's so important. We live in a, a time right now where, where Christians all over the world are so consumed with our protections so consumed with our luxuries. Can I tell you something? We're fighting the wrong fight. Amen. This is what the, the fight is for. It's for people to know Jesus. My heart is burdened right now because we're more concerned about politics than we are with people's eternities. This is what the gospel is about. The whole city is divided. And you know what? Paul and Barnabas, they were bold. And they stayed there and they taught. And as they taught, the division went deeper. But you know what? By God's grace, when there was a plot against them, God revealed it. And as God revealed it, it caused them to flee. You see, nothing can happen to us outside of the, the plan of God, outside of the will of God. Does that mean that everything will always be easy? My goodness, no. There are believers all over the world who are losing their lives, losing their homes, losing the places that they gather to worship. That happens all over the world. There are people who want to gather with other believers and they're concerned that they will lose their families if they do that. If they're caught with a Bible, and many of us have multiple Bibles in our homes. If they're caught with one, they'll go to prison the rest of their lives. But anyways, we need to have courage. We need to do the things God's called us to do. They end up in Lystra, and I just want to say one, one thing about that. As they go and share the gospel, there is a man in Lystra. His name is Timothy. We're not going to meet him yet, but I just want you to be aware of that. Because sometimes when God moves us along, it isn't just because of the circumstances that we're in. Sometimes when God moves us along to a different place of employment or to a different uh, town, when God moves us along, sometimes it's for other people. We, we get so narrow-minded at times, and, and it's sad to me. Because when God wants to move us along, he's doing a lot more than we could ever comprehend. So here Timothy is in this town, Lystra, and, and I'm sure he's going to hear about Jesus. But again, the, the persecution only did one thing. It only did one thing. It spread the gospel. That's all it did. So here's what we can know. We know that persecution cannot stop God. 
Persecution cannot stop God. Here's what happens in verse eight. It says, now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. In fact, he was crippled from birth. He had never walked, not one time. He had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. This is the first time that we don't read the words, Paul entered a synagogue. Now, we could easily move beyond that. I'm excited to get to the miracle as well. But this is important. And it's so important because he didn't enter a synagogue because there wasn't a group of Jewish believers there. This is a a very pagan area. So Paul has gone from places where at least there was a presence of who God is to a place now where it is so pagan that there are not even 10 Jewish families to have a synagogue. This is the environment that he is in now. And he goes there and he begins to, to teach and to preach. And their ministry, by the way, is off to a pretty phenomenal start. You see, as he's teaching, Paul sees in the the eyes of this man that he has the faith to be healed. This is the third time in the book of Acts that somebody who had been crippled was healed completely, but it's Paul's first miracle recorded in Acts. This is the first one, and it's so exciting. But here's what we can see, the obedience to serve God, the obedience to serve God, was what God used for this miracle. It was Paul's obedience, not only his obedience to go, but then his obedience to call it out, his obedience to be willing to say, rise to your feet. And then the obedience of the crippled person to go to his feet. But here's what happened. This town is so pagan that they decide they want to worship Paul and Barnabas. Now, I'm just going to summarize the next few verses. And and so the town is gathering. They're, They're speaking in their native language. And so Paul and Barnabas don't immediately understand what's happening. There's a confusion like normal. There's a a ruckus like normal. People are gathering. People are talking. Paul and Barnabas are used to that. And all of a sudden, they see the oxen coming. And they're like, what's going on? They're looking around. They can't figure it out. And pretty soon they realize, wait a minute, these people are going to worship us as gods. Well, what they didn't realize at this time was that this town had actually erected some idols because there's a story in their town about these gods that had come to visit. They couldn't find a place to stay, and so basically there was, there was a... a punishment to the town. And they're like, we're not going to let this happen again. So now that the gods have visited us again, we're going to worship them. But Paul and Barnabas, they know that only God is worthy of receiving worship. Only God. So they, they rush in and they tear their garments and they're like, no, don't worship us. But before we get into the story and see what happens next, just think about that for a moment. The whole town is gathered and they're all excited, and they're, and they're seeing Paul and Barnabas, and, and, and they're wanting to worship them. And think of what this could have costed Paul and Barnabas. You see, for them to stop the mob from worshiping them, that could have cost them their lives. For them to stop this group of pagans, that could have cost them their lives. They just learned about 
the fact that they were going to be mistreated and stoned to death. So it's pretty risky for them to come into this situation, but this is what they do. Here's what we can see. Our obedience is so important because God cannot be stopped. God won't be stopped. In verse 15, it continues. It says this. Paul says, men, why are you doing these things? We are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn, turn from these vain things to a living God. A living God who, by the way, made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. You see, in past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet, he didn't leave them without a witness, for he did good. He did good by giving them rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, though, they scarcely were able to restrain the people from offering sacrifice to them. Do not rob God of glory. I I love the way that Paul approaches him. He says, listen, stop. We are ordinary men just like you. This story illustrates the weakness in humanity. The weakness in humanity for us, we desire to worship. We've been created for worship. But we will look for things to worship. We will look for people to worship. It's the job of Christians to turn that worship to God. It's the job of Bible teachers and preachers to turn that worship to God. All of us experience the struggles of of wanting to be admired, of wanting to be looked up to. But the Bible tells us we're to turn that worship to God. In fact, it says, we are ordinary men. We're not perfect. We're not without fault. Christians, we are ordinary people. We're not perfect. We're not without fault. And God allows us to be reminded of that consistently so we direct our attention back to God. You see Paul and Barnabas, they were held to a higher standard just like anybody who teaches God's word is. They they were told there's gonna be a stricter judgment which we understand, but they are ordinary men. They put their pants on the same way that we do. In fact, each morning, especially Sunday morning, I put my pants on the same way that you do. I just think about what I'm going to wear and I float over to the closet and I drop right into my pants. That's what I do. Isn't that what you guys do? You guys have to walk? But it's easy for us to elevate people. It's easy for us to to elevate someone because when we have a personal relationship with someone outside of God, they'll give us advice. They'll tell us what we want to hear. They'll respond to a text. They'll answer a phone call. They'll return a voicemail. They'll respond to an email. You see, the temptation is to go to a person as opposed to God because God doesn't always answer a text right away. He doesn't always pick up when we're praying. I haven't received an email from him yet, which is a little disappointing, but but it takes time to seek God. It takes time to worship God and to seek him. And that takes courage. It takes courage for us to be steadfast. It takes courage. But as we do that, what we find is that God cannot be stopped. God can do 
the things that we can't. God makes things whole that we mess up. God cannot be stopped. The crowd wanted to offer sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, but but Paul calls them to sacrifice their hearts and their lives to God. Only God is worthy of sacrifice. And as we face predictable problems this week, and you will, I want to encourage you to take courage. Take courage that God is who he says he is. I want to encourage you to to trust that God will not be stopped. Like each of you, I I love a, a good sermon story at the end of a message. But today, today is going to be a little different. Today, the sermon story is your life. And I want to ask that you would close your eyes with me for a moment. I want to invite you to use your imagination. For some of you, it may have been been a while since you've done that. But this week, I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine God showing up in your life in a powerful way. I want you to imagine you taking courage. I want you to imagine you trusting God and giving him all the worship that he's due. And God, right now we pray. We pray that we as a, as a people who follow you would love you with all of our hearts. See, the world is looking for answers. People all around us are hurting. And Jesus, you are still the way, the truth, and the life. You tell us, Jesus, that others will know we are your disciples by our love for others. Please increase our love for people today. And Father, we pray for anybody who's yet to turn their life over to you, that they would do that this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Previous messages of our Acts series can be found at hccalive.com. If you would like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give at hccalive.com as well. Don't forget to subscribe and may we continue to love like Jesus.